Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. Hello, friends, and welcome into a March Madness edition of the Hawk Central Radio Show right here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, as always, and we've got a packed show tonight. We've got the women's basketball team hosting sellout crowds in Iowa City. At the NCAA tournament, we've got Spencer Lee's quest to become the first four-time NCAA champion at Iowa in the NCAA Wrestling Championships. I'll be joined by my registered colleagues, Kennington Smith on hoops and Cody Goodwin on wrestling later in the program. But to start tonight, live from Birmingham, Alabama, Legacy Arena, it's time to preview the Hawkeye first-round matchup in the men's tournament against Auburn. And to do that, I am happy to welcome my good friend, Tom Kakert of Hawkeye Report. Thank you for joining me courtside here as we watch the Hawkeyes practice. Tom, uh, first impressions of uh, the great city of Birmingham and this matchup. Nice arena. Really like the arena. Um, better than the one in Buffalo last year. Uh, the guys coming out of the locker room were complaining about it being cold. So uh, we've got that going for us. Uh, but, yeah, this is this is firsthand reporting here, right? We're, we're sitting here courtside as Iowa does their shoot-around. Uh, so bright orange balls. The bright yeah, orange the, balls the are Wilson, the, the infamous Wilson basketball that the uh, players don't apparently like a whole lot. But, uh, yeah, it's exciting that, uh, you know, Iowa's in the NCAA tournament again. And you got... Yeah. Jim Nance and Bill Raftery and Grant Hill down there talking to Fran. So it's a, it, we're we're in the right place. That's right. That's why I led with hello friends. Yes, hello friends. <laughs> you could have got him to do it. I, that would have been you know that would have been better radio Tom. Um, yeah. It was, uh, so we got open locker rooms today. First time yes. since 2019 uh, NCAA tournament. Anyway, uh, that we've had open locker rooms. Uh, you know, COVID kind of put the shutdown on that. Whatever they're saying is a lie. <laughs> That was Connor McCaffrey. Connor McCaffrey the guest that, appearance. That we were lying about things. Uh, at least he didn't say fake news. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. I lost my train of thought, but it, just, it was just good to be back in. It just feels it feels good. It feels normal. Uh, and I got, I got a good vibe from the Hawkeyes. They seem pretty confident. I know this is going to be a road game tomorrow yeah. against Auburn, essentially. But I don't know. I, f- I feel like these guys are, are, are locked in, ready to go. Yeah, and I, I think... Um, you know, I was talking to uh, Chris Murray a little bit about this. That I think for Iowa, the start is going to be really important yeah. in the game because uh, they've got to hit some shots. And, uh, you know, I, I just go back to, like, that Indiana game. Uh, the springboard was Chris hitting two shots right out of the gate. And if they can do that again, not necessarily Chris. He doesn't have to do it. But just somebody, Tony Perkins, uh, Aaron Euless, Phillip. Uh, but I think it's jump shots, too, that really make the difference because I think everybody gains confidence from a three. If they can get off to a good start, um, kind of take the crowd out of it because I think it's mm-hmm. going to be, well, although Alabama fans say they're going to show up. So, <laughs> or we'll stick see. around we'll see. And, uh, and, and root on the Hawks. But I, I think start is important. Uh, talk to Matt Gatons a little bit. Yeah. And... Um, you know, he, he said it's important for them to take care of the basketball because Auburn's going to try and turn you over. They're going to try and make things happen that way. So I, I think that's another thing to watch. 
Well, he would know, right? Uh, he was a popular uh, subject in the open locker room today, as you yeah. might imagine. Uh, spent a couple of years on Bruce Pearl's staff, kind of learning the ropes. You know, goes to Drake for four years, then comes to Iowa this is as a first-year assistant, and now has the scout yeah. for Iowa's first NCAA tournament game. That's, you know, getting thrown into the fire. Now, obviously, he's done this before. It's not his first rodeo, but still... There's a little, I mean, there's a little extra spotlight on Mr. Gaines here. You know, how does he scout out the Auburn uh, Tigers, and and it, does he have the winning moves for the Hawkeyes? You know what? One of the things I talked to him about was this is the first time that he's been at an NCAA game with an Iowa shirt on, with an Iowa jersey on, or an Iowa, you know, on an Iowa bench because he didn't play in an NCAA tournament during his Iowa career. So this is really extra special for him wow. because he yeah. grew up, Stuff. you know, he was talking about growing up, seeing Iowa's name up on the, the board when he was a kid and just how exciting that was for him as a, as a Hawk fan growing up uh, in Iowa City. And so this is special for him, I think. And it would be extra special if he's able to lead them to a victory uh, with his scout. Uh, and uh, so one of the things I'm curious about, because Auburn doesn't shoot it well. Right. They play some zone. Maybe a little two, three. That's what I was at. So I asked that to Tony Perkins in there. And, of course, he said, well, we, we can play man with these guys. Yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm not. I talked to Aaron Eulis about the I, same thing. I believe, said that. You know, I believe that he believed that, but I just feel like I'm with you. I mean, I think you just got to <laughs> hate to say this and then, you know, watch Auburn go, you know, 10 for 15 from three tomorrow. But yeah. uh, make them beat you from three. Yeah, because they've got uh, guys that can beat you to the rack. And one of the other things that talking to some of the guys about was this kind of the theme that um, you've just been in that Big Ten meat grinder, mm-hmm. playing the same people and seeing the same scouts. And maybe it's just nice to play somebody from a different conference and somebody who looks different than a Big Ten team and the Big Ten style. So I, I think that's kind of important as well Is and think about is – Maybe that's just good for Iowa to get out of the meat grinder and get get to a team that's going to play. I think Auburn's going to play a little bit more freer, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, if last time Iowa had a non-conference game was Eastern Illinois, and I know no one wants to remember that, but it has been a while. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's when uh, Chris Murray was hurt. That was right before Patrick McCaffrey took his pause. Totally different team. So uh, it, this does. Connor it, was banged up then. Yeah, too. yeah, he didn't play, and um, you know, this does feel like it feels like a team to me that's reset. And maybe I'm reading into it too much, but after, I mean that Big Ten tournament game now has been a week. Yeah, you know, so it's been a long time since that. Uh, I feel like this team is uh, is ready to uh, turn the page. Uh, and come out fire. And I like what you said about a good start. I want to get your thoughts on my on my piece today about Peyton Sanford. If he's not starting, which I don't expect Fran McCaffrey to, to make a lineup change. No. Uh, you know, he has to have more than 15 minutes. He, Iowa has a much better record, 14-5 and five when he plays more than 20 minutes. They're 5-8 and eight when he doesn't. Uh, I mean, that's 5-9, uh, and nine, actually. I'm sorry. Uh, no, 5-8. and 5-8. and eight. So, um how do you get more Sam for more minutes, right? I mean, he's in control of that, correct? We've talked about this before. Yeah. Fran is in control of who plays. Yes, he is. And and I don't think you can he, – he strictly follows that two-foul rule, but I think for a guy coming off the bench, maybe you don't have – you shouldn't have to be married to that as much um, just because you're going to sit him coming off the bench anyway in the first five, six minutes, maybe eight minutes of the second half. Right. Uh, where you're going to, you know, keep him out of there. So, um, 
Yeah, I I just don't I don't think it's as important. The two foul rule is important. I know a lot of people kind of like talk talk about like he fouls his own guys out kind of thing yeah. in the first half. But I I don't I don't have a problem with him sitting guys with two fouls. But I think for a bench guy, yes, you keep playing him. You keep playing him. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not, unless you're going to start him in the second half, because <laughs> they need his his offense. Yeah, they do. They just they need his offense because um, you're just you're too limited. You look at that last game where what was the the guard court? Eulis, Connor, Peyton Sanford was like one bucket. Yeah, I think it was one bucket. The, it was the dunk by off of a steal off by Peyton. Peyton. Yeah, right. And that was it. I mean, they didn't hit any threes. Peyton didn't shoot any threes in the yeah. Big Ten tournament game. Exactly. That's that's what I mean. I mean, yeah, yeah he's got to be. When he gets, uh, to borrow a franism, when he gets cooking, yeah. <laughs> Iowa is better. They just are. Exactly. And I think that's kind of my point is you've got to give him a chance to get cooking. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got to, you've got to give him those minutes. And I think he's going to come out uh, firing tomorrow for sure. <laughs> I do. I think he's. Yeah, I talked to him in the locker room. He's ready to go. And uh, he had a pretty funny quote. I mean, it's not funny. He's a f- people don't realize, you know, he's got the kind of the. The, the the movie star good looks, but he he is a he is a uh, fiery competitor. Yeah, I mean he just is. He's he's maybe the most fiery competitor on the team. Well, that's the other thing is he's kind of he does kind of serve as that other little basis of energy sometimes for this team. I mean yep. he gets he gets the guys fired up. And it was yep. funny when you were saying that he was right by us uh, with the movie star good looks. But here was his quote from today. You know, he said, "When your time comes, you have to be ready to go. It can be pretty." tough sitting there for an hour sometimes yeah and he does it that's that's hard to do for a shooter just come yeah. off you're asking the guy to come off the bench and just get hot yep otherwise you know i mean for, to give to Fran's credit he does play him at the end of games more but i feel like he should be playing the whole game yep. uh, when he plays 30 minutes or more three times tom averaging 24 points a game yeah yep anyway you just gotta I, play him and you got and here's the thing though fran will encourage them Encourage him to shoot. He, no, that's true. It's no. green light. Yeah, all he's the got time. the green. He's got the green. All right, you're listening to Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and Cakes. And I'm Chad Lystico talking Iowa men's basketball against Auburn with Tom Cakert. Uh, just like to hear your thoughts, Tom, just on the draw, um, the Auburn matchup. Is it a good matchup for Iowa? We can get to Houston in a minute in case Iowa wins, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it, I guess. I've heard I've heard both sides of the coin. I kind of lean not a great matchup for Iowa, but what do you think? It, Iowa will – I think they'll they, – they struggle against teams that have more athleticism, I think. And and they've got the, – the broom kid is a really good shot blocker. He's an intimidator in the middle, so I'm going to be curious how, you know, Philip Abracha – goes against him. I know Philip won't back down. There's there's no back down on that kid, but um, it's going to be a challenge for him, I think, uh, to, to get his shot. Um, I don't mind the matchup because I don't think Auburn shoots it real well. Yeah. And their guards sometimes just shoot themselves out of a game, and like Green does if he's just chucking shots. So we'll see if they what they look like, but they didn't finish very well. I mean, they won four of their last 13 games after a 16-3 yeah. and three start. 
they cratered. I mean, Iowa had their struggles for sure, losing Nebraska and then losing to Ohio State. But Iowa's also got a 22-point win on the road at Indiana towards the end of the year. The signature for Auburn was they beat uh, Tennessee, who I think at that point had lost their point guard, uh, and they beat them at Auburn. So I, I think... Iowa can come out and play. If the start is just so important for yeah, this team, it I agree. just is. Because I, I think if they come out and they don't play well uh, out of the first eight minutes or so, it's just you wonder if they're going to start to panic. It's going to get in bit. their head. Yep. You have the ball, well, everything. This is a team that just needs to see the ball go through the through the hoop. It is um, to get <laughs> confidence. They just do it. When they do, they the, it's, their body language is better. Their shoulders are better. They just yeah. They look more confident. Yeah. So to that point, I uh, talked to Chris Murray about this a little bit. Uh, a couple things on him. First of all, Bruce Pearl compared him defensively, trying to guard him, to Brandon Miller of Alabama. Wow. So that was a pretty high compliment. I mean, a guy that's probably, you know, top two for National Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, and Chris took that as a compliment. But uh, something that happened in last year's Richmond game, Tom, was – uh, Keegan Murray went almost 20 minutes without a field goal attempt in last year's game. Like, he wasn't hitting. Yep. And then he, he was, you know, to borrow our franism again, he was moving it. You know, he was moving – he did not take charge. And I felt – I asked Chris, you know, did you take a lesson from that? I feel like Chris has got to be Chris. He's got to be assertive. And he, he's ready to do – he told me he's ready to do that, and he yeah. feels like he has done that this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's – um, I think you saw that in the Indiana game when they were coming off two losses where he felt like he had to go out and just do it, and he did. And you know, I think there was probably a little motivation with Trace Jackson Davis on the other side too. But, <laughs> but I think he's going to embrace that and, yeah. and do that. X Factor tomorrow is? Uh, um, Patrick McCaffrey. Ooh, ooh interesting. Remember um, – you know, there's a lot of talk with this ball but and everything, but Patrick really shot it well in the NCAA game last year against Richmond. He was one of the few guys that did. So um, I'm going to keep an eye on Patrick to see if he's kind of the X factor. I'm going to go. I mean, Tony Perkins, uh, I think, is yeah. is a guy that, uh, against a three-point shooting defense as good as Auburn's, is statistically 28%. He talked about just the need to drive it to the hole and get fouled. Like uh-huh. this, he And he can do that, yep. especially if they're going to be guarding you in your space. Yep. Take it to the rack. Go get fouled. I mean, Iowa is at its best, Tom, when they can get to the foul line. and you know get other teams in foul trouble Mm -hmm. and and be aggressive Uh, you know i think i just don't think it's a the winning strategy tomorrow is to chuck 33s against this defense i think they got to find other ways i think they got to play aggressive get to the rim get them in foul trouble they're not a deep team either they only play basically seven maybe eight guys uh, but really seven over or averaging over 15 a game so it's a lot like iowa in that in that vein Dr. Feller's over there. Is he? Uh, he is. Well, I'm just, I'm just mesmerized down here wondering what the stories that Fran McCaffrey and Bill Raftery are telling each <laughs> other because there's a lot of stories there. It's too bad I our just, mics Every once in a while, I hear the Fran laugh. <laughs> and he's got the greatest laugh of all time. And 
he and Raph are, are certainly telling stories. Yeah. And how about earlier today? We were sitting in the earshot of Bruce Pearl and Jim Nance. Jim Nance, you tell the story. Oh, he my was, gosh. This is incredible. So Bruce Pearl sits down with, with uh, Jim Nance, Grant Hill, and, uh, and, and Raph, and, and Tracy Wolfson. Tracy Wolfson, yeah. And they're, they're sitting there. And you and I are, are kind of right by there, so we could hear what they were talking about. And Jim Nance, out of the blue, just rem- recalls the 1987 UNLV game and, and certain things that happened in that game, uh, the ending play with Brad Lowhouse and everything that, that, that happened right then. He was recalling that, and he was not on that call. <laughs> it's unbelievable that he remembers it's like 35, that. 36 years ago now. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's ages ago. Yeah. And he remembers it like it was yesterday. Anyway, yeah. That's, a, that's why Sights and sounds. That's why he is as good as he is, because he just remembers these things yeah. like they were yesterday. No, and you can, they do their homework over there, too. It's, uh, it's I don't know. Hello, friend. Kind of, <laughs> and, and goodbye, friend. Thank you, Tom Kicker, yes. uh, for joining me. This will be the first time uh, Bruce Pearl does coach against Iowa, which is yep. kind of crazy as a former assistant. Anyway, thank you for joining me, my thank friend, you. and uh, we'll see you tonight at uh, Dreamland. Maybe. Dreamland Barbecue. Yeah, we're going to hit it up tonight, so thank you, Tom. Coming up next on Hawk Central, the baton gets passed to my registered teammate, Kennington Smith, who's back in Iowa City with the women's team. We'll talk more about Iowa's NCAA preparations for Southeastern Louisiana and the men's draw as well. No fear, we got Cody Goodwin later to preview NCAA wrestling. Back soon here on Hawk Central, 106.3 KX Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Hawk Central Radio continues here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Lystico here of the Des Moines Register. You can follow me on Twitter at Chad Lystico, L-E-I-S-T-I-K-O-W. And now we welcome in my friend, my colleague, your friend and colleague also at the Des Moines Register, Kennington Smith, at SkinnyKenny underscore on Twitter. Make sure to follow him for all things Hawkeyes this week as well. Kennington back in Iowa City with the Iowa women. That's a huge story uh, right now as well while I'm with the the men uh, here in Birmingham. So we thought we'd kind of convene, talk a little men, talk a little women. Kennington, first of all, how are you holding up? Uh, Hawkeye women play 3 p.m. Friday on ESPN against 15th seed. Southeastern Louisiana. What's kind of the vibe in Iowa City here two days until tip-off uh, with uh, two sold-out arenas already? <laughs> and that did not take long. Yeah, it, it didn't. And everything is all good here in Iowa City. I would say that the vibe from the fan base is excitement. I would say the vibe around Iowa's team is probably laser focus. Going back to last year, it's been talked about ad nauseum going into the season throughout the season even on selection sunday about what happened last year where the iowa women went into the tournament with a lot of momentum as big 10 champions expected to make a tournament run and they were stunned on their home floor in the second round by creighton so i think with this year's team it's it's truly a one game at a time and putting all of their energy and their focus into that game and just moving on to the next one after the the previous game is done. So that's what I would say. I think that it's an exciting time. Obviously you talked about how quickly the tickets sold out. I think it just shows that there's so much interest around this team, both locally and nationally as well. So Really exciting time for, for Iowa women's team, but I, I feel like that the vibe around the team is just laser focused and wanting to put their best foot forward on Friday. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I was on the plane here to Birmingham and, uh, you know, talking to a hoops junkie on the plane and, uh, you know, he knew all about Caitlin Clark as well. And, and, um, you know, just, amazed at what she's doing uh, certainly a, a national story washington post writing about it this week so really the eyes of women's basketball are on iowa city this week and uh, you have to avoid an upset right you have to avoid that so i think iowa fans eyes should be definitely laser focused on that 7 10 game on friday between florida state and georgia and i'm sure your eyes will be on that too kennington to see kind of you know size up like what uh you know where could one of these teams potentially expose the hawkeyes or get the hawkeyes or jump up and, and grab the hawkeyes in sunday's second round game um that should be pretty exciting as well and then uh, I just want to point people to my – I did a piece on Gabby Marshall. Uh, I know uh, uh, it's my second story on her in, in a matter of a couple of weeks, but uh, really learned a lot about Gabby, and um, hope you guys will check that out at hawkcenter.com. But uh, I think the one thing that, that people lose in the fact that she is like 26 for 42 from three, <laughs> which is insane, averaging almost, you know, I think 1.85 points every time she puts up a three right in this last night games is that she's Iowa's best defender as well. She plays that kind of spark role on defense, always grabbing uh, the other team's opposing best player. So, um, you know, she extends defenses and hits, th- uh, you know, hits hits threes and plays defense. Right, that's like the NBA dream, right? Three and D. <laughs> I mean, she's like yeah. that was three and D player. Yeah, exactly, and that's such a huge portion of the game. And I think that it cannot be understated how much it's benefited Iowa's team and Caitlin Clark and Monica Cesano that she's become that reliable outside shooter. It just opens everything up um, on the floor for Iowa's offense. That's going to be critical in in tournament play. Things are going to get a little bit tighter. Obviously, the focus has been on Caitlin Clark throughout the year. It's going to continue to be on Caitlin Clark. But when you're facing, you know, continuously an uptick in competition as you go deeper into the tournament, you really need your secondary players and your role players to step up and to play well. And Gabby Marshall has has done that. Her three-point shooting has really ignited Iowa's team. And, you know, Monica Cesano said it perfectly when she said that they don't win the Big Ten Championship without her performance. And it's been a long break for the, the team. Really interested to see if she continues that momentum, Kate Martin continues her momentum. I thought she played great in the Bigson tournament um, as well. McKenna Warnock and everyone else as well. So Iowa's role players found their stride at the right time. If they can continue that momentum going into the NCAA tournament, then Iowa is going to make that deep run that everybody's expecting them to make. Yeah, and uh, kind of lost in the coverage of the Big Ten Women's Tournament. Uh, I'll take a little blame for it, but, I mean, uh, Sydney Affalter had a really nice uh, Big Ten um, tournament as well, uh, particularly in the championship game. So, uh, you know, the Hawkeyes are getting a lot of contributions right now from a lot of people. All right, Kennington, let's turn our attention to the men. Obviously, uh, that is more urgent on our plate since the women don't play until Friday. The men, 5.50 p.m. on Thursday night against Ninth-seeded Auburn in the NCAA tournament here in Birmingham at Legacy Arena. Got the A-team on the call. Jim Nance, Grant Hill, Bill Raftery, Tracy Wolfson. So all eyes really on this regional down here with top-seeded Alabama, top-seeded Houston. Uh, really, I've, I've seen already seen a lot of media down here, um, you know, national media types. And uh, 
I was really got a spotlight opportunity here, Kennington. Does it not? Um, you know, this is uh, again going back to kind of talking on the plane here uh, with people coming to Birmingham. It's like they're expecting a pretty big crowd for Auburn, and um, what? How does Iowa feel about playing a road game? Uh, <laughs> this is a, a good challenge for the Hawkeyes. Uh, what did you learn um, when you kind of dug into it? Because you did a great article at HawkCenter.com, kind of previewing four facets of this Auburn basketball team i want to point people to that at our website but uh, what stood out to you when it comes to auburn and what maybe the the most difficult chant let's start with this the most difficult part of auburn um that i was gonna have to contend with on thursday yeah i think the the thing that stuck out to me is the depth of auburn's team and the versatility that they have and the athleticism that they have it really is a clash of um of philosophies when you think about fran mccaffrey from iowa and how he played last year's team, they went 10 deep, Big Ten Championship against Purdue. The whole the whole team played. Everybody who was on scholarship contributed something in that game. And this year the bench has been noticeably shorter. Seven guys. Josh Dix is kind of that fringe eighth guy, but very rare that he gets up to 10 minutes um, of game action. And you look at Auburn's team, they have 10 guys who average 10 minutes per game. And they have 11 guys who have played at least 23 games. So they're going to play a lot of different players. And while all of them are not – offensive threats they all bring something to the table and i just think of this matchup as auburn uh, deploying a lot of different guys and throwing a lot of different matchups at iowa's frontline players so it's gonna be really interesting to see auburn use that many players give keegan murray a lot of different looks defensively give philip aracho a lot of looks defensively um peyton sanford another one chasing him around the perimeter they're going to put a lot of focus on him the bench unit has a lot of solid defenders so he's going to be the primary focus um for for iowa's second team and i I'm, i think that's probably the the biggest challenge is if Auburn is able to use their depth to kind of wear down Iowa's frontline players, that could give them a potential advantage. I wonder if Fran McCaffrey would consider expanding his bench for a game like this. He kind of teased that before the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, Iowa didn't get that opportunity because they were one and done against Ohio State in a close game. But I think that's what was stuck out to me the most is Auburn is a team that's going to use pretty much the entire roster. They have some really good athletes, so it's really going to be a challenge for Iowa's offense, particularly in the half court. Now let's flip it to Kennington to maybe areas where Iowa can take advantage. And I think the one thing that stuck out, stuck out to me um, in your article was that Auburn does allow a lot of offensive rebounds. And that's something we've seen this Iowa team be pretty good at, right? I mean, I think uh, this could be the type of game where a Philip Robracha, you know, gets a putback or two. Chris Murray, same thing. Connor McCaffrey, scrappy on the boards. And uh, as I wrote in my column, which is which is posted, and we've talked about this, I think Peyton Sanford needs to have about 30 minutes on Thursday. And uh, I think he should be in the starting lineup, but that's a, that's a separate conversation we've already discussed. But uh, he could also help on the offensive boards. Uh, what stood out to you as far as where Iowa might have a little bit of an on-court advantage on Thursday? Yeah, I think that's, that's one thing for sure. And building off of that point, they have a significant size advantage in the backcourt. One of the reasons why Auburn is not a great defensive rebounding team is because their guards, five foot eleven, one seventy-five, the other six foot one, one ninety. You look at Iowa's backcourt of Aaron Ulis of Aaron Ulis and Tony Parker. Perkins, both 6'3", close to 200-plus, and particularly Tony Perkins will crash the boards hard. He's done that down the stretch, and it's provided um, 
a lot of big moments in games that Iowa needed down the stretch in, in order to win it and make the NCAA tournament. So I think that there is an advantage right there that Iowa can exploit in addition to the offensive rebounding is that Tony Perkins and Aaron Euless can use their size and get downhill. They can win that matchup against Auburn's guards. And we know that at this time of year, guard play is so important if you want to make a March run. And I think that this is a matchup where Iowa's backcourt can – exploit some weaknesses in Auburn's team, both offensively and defensively, because they're going to have um, a size advantage at that position. And I will throw Payne Sanford in the mix as well. Like you said, somebody um, who could play that two spot as well is going to crash the boards offensively. So I think that um, that is a really an area where Iowa can explore. Rebounding has really been key for them this year, much improved rebounding team from last year. And I think that their backcourt really needs to have a good day in order for them to win. Yeah, Auburn not a great three-point shooting team. Thirty-one point four percent. You know, really, you know, bottom twenty percent uh, of college basketball. So here, to me, I would instead of trying to match personnel, Kennington. For me, I would, I would play my taller lineup and make Auburn try to match me, and I would play zone on defense. I mean, you talk about the athleticism. I don't, I don't know if I'd want to go man to man with Auburn. I think just, you know. Again, we've talked about it so much. It's like who's hot from three, you know, who's going to win the game. And uh, to me, the best strategy for Iowa is to put your best three-point shooters out there and play some zone and, you know, try to try to force them into, you know, shooting a 28% game from three, you know, like a seven for 25 or whatever it is. So uh, that's kind of where I stand. Well, anything else? Uh, just big picture, Kennington, before we let you go here. Um you know, big picture, what does this game mean for the Hawkeyes uh, to get to the round of 32, especially after last year's early exit? Yeah, I think this game means I think this game means a lot. And I, I don't I wouldn't go as far as to say that this is a legacy game for for Fran McCaffrey or, or anything like that. But I do think that it is significant for the program to be able to go into the postseason, win a game and potentially challenge a number one seed. Obviously, the sour taste from last year plays into it. But this is a very winnable game for Iowa, as last year's Richmond game was winnable as well. So you want to see a team like Iowa with the All-American level talent, Chris Murray, named an All-American uh, yesterday by the Associated Press. You want to see players like him step up. You want to see the veteran leadership of this team step up in this moment, get Iowa a win, and put them on that huge spotlight against Houston. That's something that we've talked about um, over the past few years on the, on this podcast having national platform and having a national opportunity that is on the the table for Iowa should they win on Thursday night in advance and play a number one seed so I really do think this game is is important and I'm really interested to see if Iowa can kind of you know pull themselves off of the mat and put a good effort forward after a sour into the regular season and the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and it would be, I don't know, it would just be nice to kind of still have your name on the bracket uh, past Thursday. I mean, last year was such an early exit. It just felt like the Iowa's tournament was over before the thing even started. And, uh, you know, you get another Thursday game this week. It would just be nice to, uh, I think, for, for everybody, if if you got the women's team playing Friday, the men on Saturday, the women on Sunday, uh, just makes for a lot of fun, especially with the wrestling championships. Uh, also, this weekend. Thank you, Kennington Smith. Uh, thanks for holding down the fort in Iowa City, and uh, see you soon, my friend. 
Yeah, no problem at all. Um, you know, best of luck down there. Hopefully, um, you know, we don't find ourselves in a situation like last year, the, you know, <laughs> I was losing in the Buffalo game and having to change on the flights. But that's another story for another day. But have fun and I'll see you soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Kennington Smith, uh, as always, for um, the outstanding coverage. Coming up next, it's time to talk NCAA Wrestling Championships with Cody Goodwin. He's already down in Tulsa and will preview Spencer Lee's quest for a fourth title and the fate of the rest of Iowa's 10 qualifiers at the NCAA Championships. You're listening to Hawk Central with Chad Leistico here on 106.3 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Leistico here of the Des Moines Register. We've talked hoops at length already with Tom Kakert and Kennington Smith. Now let's go to the mats in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where second-ranked Iowa brings uh, to the table the NCAA championships beginning Thursday. And to preview the week ahead for Tom Brands, Spencer Lee, and the Hawkeyes, we welcome in Cody Goodwin on the ground in Tulsa. How you doing over there? Cody. Doing great, man. Um, we got in last night, me and uh, Joe Crest, photographer at Iowa City Press Citizen. He's been shooting wrestling for us all year. We're here. Um, you know, we just got at the time that we're recording this, we actually just got done eating breakfast and saw a handful of uh, wrestling teams and coaches. Uh, not nobody Iowa yet, but just, you know, you can feel the buzz down here in Tulsa. So I'm actually I'm really excited. This is a fun little wrestling town and going to be a fun few days here. That's awesome. Uh, just three days left in the career, the Iowa career of Spencer Lee. We've talked about this a lot all season. So let's begin with him at 125 pounds. <laughs> Um, I guess uh, I saw you had a, a fun facts thing on Spencer, did a big piece on Spencer and his recruitment with Terry Brands. Um, just kind of a, a, let me just get your thoughts on, first of all, what was your favorite fun fact about Spencer Lee? And uh, just reflect on his career thus far uh, and just what he's done to get to this point. I think my favorite fun fact on Spencer was that he has only been taken down, like he is only allowed 30 total takedowns in his Iowa career. Um, 15 guys total have taken him down. I think only seven have ever taken him down more than once. Um, just like, I, like that's me being a wrestling nerd. Just like, <laughs> that's really hard to do at the D one <laughs> level to like, not allow these other grown men to take you down very often. Just like, you know, and he's got, you know, there's been the occasional, you know, like the, I think it was like Matt Ramos from Purdue is one of the guys that's taken him down twice, just like real quick strike stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, I think, you know, he gave up a takedown to Zeke Moisey. There's, I think five of the 30 takedowns he's surrendered have been at the national tournament. Um, so, you know, five takedowns allowed in 15 matches at the biggest, baddest tournament in the country. <laughs> um, uh, and then I think, I think the other, the other fun fact that I thought was just super interesting. So he's 95 and five for his career. Um, of his 95 wins, he has beaten 31. 31 of his 95 wins have been over all Americans. Wow, um, and then another, wow, wow. right? And then another 43, so 74 combined here, another 43 wins have been over NCAA qualifiers. So, oh my goodness. You know, yeah, it's not he like he's wrestling it, cupcakes out there. Yeah, which, you know, part of this is like, okay, you're in the Big Ten. Like, Iowa always wrestles a really good schedule, but just like, the fact that he has like you know eighty one total bonus point wins and ninety five wins and like seventy four of his ninety five career wins over guys who have qualified for the NCAA championships just you know he's beaten some of the best of the best um, and so it's just it makes his career I think all the more remarkable. Good. Um, yeah, 
He, uh, no, man, he looks good. It's, um, you know, I think he's looked good all year. And I mean, really, he's looked good, um, you know, his entire career, but especially this year, he just, he looks like he's having more fun. Um, you know, I know you wrote that column at the beginning of the year. He just, he wanted to feel good and feel healthy in addition Mm -hmm. to winning a fourth NCAA title. And, you know, I think we've seen, you know, I don't know that he's back all the way to, you know, the the freak three-time world champ that committed to Iowa initially because he's been dealing with injuries on and off, you know, for the last four, five, six years. But um, he has looked as good as, you know, since probably when he won as a true freshman in 2018. Like, he just – he looks good. He's moving well. And he's having fun. That's the other – that's been a really fun part of just kind of following him this season. It's just he looks like he's having more fun out there, which – you know, when, when Spencer Lee's having fun on the mat, um, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, excited to see uh, the last five matches of his career. You know, hopefully it's five, right? Uh, but that, uh, thinking about this, Cody, it's just like I feel like – Everyone out out here in the world thinks, oh, it's inevitable. He's going to win his fourth, but it's not as easy as that. I mean, you think back, there's, there's a reason Larry Owings' name is famous. There's a reason Steve Marionetti's name is famous, you know, beat Lincoln, Lincoln McElravey, um, you know, Owings over Gable. I mean, is there, should we consider the possibility that this isn't going to be an easy path? I mean, it's the NCAA championships. And is, you know, who might be his toughest competition out there this week at Tulsa? Yeah, I think the, you know, looking at the bracket, the easy guy to circle is probably, you know, Pat Glory from Princeton. Um, You know, that's a guy Spencer has wrestled before. I believe they've wrestled twice. Um, Spencer obviously won both times. Um, But Pat Glory is the two seed. Um, You know, there's a lot of, I mean, like kind of like you said, I think a lot of people are kind of lightly penciling Spencer in as like the, you know, he's going to do it this year. Um, And that's fine um i might be one of those people as well but there's it there's some interesting things going on with this 125 pound bracket i mean if if all the seats hold spencer could see jack medley from michigan on thursday night in the second round and and medley has found success slowing spencer down he hasn't Mm -hmm. exactly scored on spencer but you know i think they've wrestled three times and and a couple of the you know two of those matches have been like seven one and eight one so he's found a way to slow him down um, in the quarterfinals, he could potentially see Wisconsin Derek Barnett, who multiple time All American. In the semifinals, he could see Purdue's Matt Ramos, who it's like very big explosive, <laughs> yeah, right, very explosive wrestler. Um, you know, and then in the finals, potentially Pat Glory, potentially Liam Cronin from Nebraska, who Spencer saw in the Big Ten finals. Um, you know, the other side of that bracket includes guys like Brandon Kaler from Oregon State, Brandon Courtney from Arizona State, who's a past NCAA finalist, right. um, Pat McKee, two-time All-Americans over there. There's, um, you know, it's kind of, I, you know, it's easy to kind of be like, yeah, Spencer, Pat Glory, probably, um, you know, but, but Spencer has an intriguing path just on based on who he'll see. Pat Glory's got a handful of landmines that he's going to have to navigate if we're going to see one, two in the finals at 125. So I like his odds, um, but there are a lot of interesting moving parts at 125 to pay attention to this week. Yeah, I guess I uh, should mention that only four four-time NCAA champs in, in history, so Spencer's looking to be the fifth. Um, Hawkeyes have ten wrestlers, so not just one at the, at the championships here. Uh, uh, let me just go through the seeds really quick here. Spencer Lee is the one, obviously. Brody Teske. Now, he got moved up to 23, correct? Yeah, they had and a then, wrestler leave 33 for injury, so they the alternate okay. got inserted, so everybody bumped up. So Brody's the lowest-seeded Hawkeye at 23. Real Woods is a 1 at 41. Max Murin an 8 at 149. 
Then it's Kobe Seabreck, 14. Patrick Kennedy, 6. Nelson Brands, 11. Abe Asad, 12. Jacob Warner, 14. And his uh, fellow returning finalist, I think, is seated ninth. So what a crazy weight that is. And then Tony Cassiope, 4. So my question for you, Cody, is we don't have time to go through all the brackets today, but by the seeds, Iowa should get five All-Americans. Now, Max, you know, I think all Hawkeye fans want Max to get on the stand here once, but it's tough to do. Over or under four and a half All-Americans for the Hawkeyes this year. Ooh, um, man, somebody asked me five and a half earlier this week, and I was feeling really good that day. So I was like, you know what? I'll take the over on five and a half. Okay, so I'm, okay. I'm going I'm to st- stay true. I'll take the over on four and a half. Um, if the seeds hold, like you said, they'll, they'll get five in. Um, Kennedy's you know, weight I, is I so like, tough, right? Isn't Kennedy's weight just a monster? I mean, I'm, dude, I'm, not, I'm not doubting it. I'm just saying, like, it's not going to be easy. No, you're right. Because whether, you know, I, Kennedy, if the seeds hold, he should get to the semi or not the semis, the quarterfinals where, you know, he'll have to probably wrestle Wisconsin's Dean Hamity, who he just that's a guy he just hasn't solved yet this year. Um, you know, but, you know, if you lose in the quarters, you fall to the blood round, right? If you win, you're an All-American. If you lose, you don't. He could have to, if the seeds hold, he could be wrestling Shane Griffith from Stanford, who two-time NCAA finalist, 2021 NCAA Jeez. champ in the blood round. Oh my yeah, like goodness. that's how, that's how stacked 165 is, um, you know, and that's, I mean, that's even if, you know, Kennedy gets that far in the second round, he could wrestle Cam Amin from Michigan, who was, that oh, was wow. the Big Ten semifinal yeah. two weeks ago. So, um Stacked weight, stacked weight. Um, yeah, I, I think I, you know, I, my confidence in Iowa hitting the over on the four and a half All Americans, I think, is, I'm, I, I believe in, I believe in Kennedy, um, and I believe in Max Murin. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've seen some of his best wrestling of his career. It's almost like he saved the best for last. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a little bit of a reprieve because forty nine was a weight that also had an adjustment. Um, so the nine seed originally, John Milner from App State, who multiple time All American, he actually beat Max in the blood round last year. Um, mm. He had to pull out because of an injury, so that restructured everything below Max because Max is the okay. eight, eight seed. Um, so they, if the bracket would have held normally, he would have had to have seen Milner in the second round, and that, you know, win that you're in the quarters. Um, so that puts you back into you know win one more and you're an All American. Lose that one, it's a little bit of a tougher road coming back. Um, yeah. So, uh, but the thing, the thing with the national tournament, like you said, like he's been wrestling really well this year, but it's never easy to get on the podium here. The way the bracket got redrawn, he could see Stanford's Jaden Abbas now in the second round, and Abbas actually beat Mirren in the blood round two years ago. So, I'm not telling an easy you, man. Road, man. Yeah. Like I believe in Max Mirren, but it is not going to be easy. Okay, so you said you were feeling, uh, you know, a little bullish on the over five and a half, even so. If they're so the five All Americans by seed, obviously are Lee Woods, Mirren, Kennedy, and Cassiope. Um, you feel good about Lee Woods and Cassiope? I feel like unless there's an injury, um, let's say those other two guys get it. Uh, who's the other guy? Who's the other guy that maybe sneaks in? Do you like the bracket? Do you like how he's wrestling? Who sneaks onto the stand <laughs> that maybe we're not expecting? So I like two of them, but I'm going to go with the one I probably feel the best about, and that's just because he's given us more reasons than not to believe in him in March. And that's Jacob Warner. Um, 14 seed. Yeah. He's going to, if the seeds hold, he'll wrestle third seeded Rocky Elam from Mizzou in the second round, who hasn't wrestled a ton this year. They met at the NWCA all-star classic in November and Rocky won a pretty, it was a, it was a nice back and forth match, but Elam ultimately won. If Warner can find a way to get through Rocky Elam on Thursday night, assuming that they both win Thursday morning, 
I feel pretty good about Warner potentially getting all the way back to the finals. Wow. Now, <laughs> beating Rocky Elam, that's, that might be bold, but beating Rocky Elam is not going to be easy. You know, he's a junior world champ, uh, multiple-time All-American. He's been good for a long time. But assuming the seeds hold firm the rest of the way, if Warner's able to sneak through Elam, he'll have Isaac Trumbull from NC State. Um, there's nothing about him, I think, that worries me a ton about Jacob Warner. Obviously, you're talking about the NCAA quarterfinals, so you know it's going to be tough. Yeah. And then if he's able to get into the semifinals, he's looking at potentially Bernie Truax from Cal Poly. Um, I know Tanner Sloan from South Dakota State and Jacob Cardenas from Cornell are also on that side of the bracket. So we'll see if, you know, that, that I think that quad has the potential to maybe fall apart at 197. Um, but if, yeah, if Warner can get through Elam, I don't see a reason why he can't win a couple more and get back to the finals as the 14 seed. Now that's, that's really big brain, big picture stuff. Um, oh, it's you know, wide if open. You believe Warner. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that's, that weight's we talk crazy. about how deep 65 is, but yeah, 97 is, I, I would argue, you know, just as deep, just as crazy. I mean, you hit on it at the beginning. The two returning NCAA finalists are not projected to finish on the podium based on their seeds. So why not just be the double-digit seed that blows it up, right? Like, I just I, – I talked myself into it earlier this week. A lot of it hinges on Warner beating Elam. But if he can, why not, right? Sure, yeah. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, well, that's that's one to watch on Thursday for sure. That second-round match, uh, assuming, you know, Warner wins his first one. Um, last question, Cody. Last topic, anyway. Um, you know, obviously, Penn State heavily favored in a team race. Um well, I mean, Iowa did a, I felt like had a pretty good Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, hung in there, lost by what, 12 and a half, 11 and a half points uh, in Ann Arbor. But what would Iowa have to do to make them nervous? And, you know, is second place, I mean, Iowa's got the inside track for second, right? But um, it's not, that's not easy either. So what's, what do you see, I guess, in the team race this weekend? Um, I, you know, if, I, if I'm an Iowa fan watching the NCAA championships this weekend, I would not. I would not worry about first place um, because you're going to need to bat close to 850 or 900, and yeah. you're also probably going to need some help. You're going to need Penn State to really stub their toe. Yeah, and Penn um, State never has just, a bad NCAA tournament. I hate to say they really, they really don't, man. Like <laughs> they might have individuals who struggle, but just collectively, yeah. they do the job. They do the job. So I wouldn't worry so much about that. I just, I just think Penn State's that good. Um, you know, and it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of help for, I think, to bring them back closer to the pack. Now, second, um, like you mentioned, it's going to be pretty tough. Um, Cornell's bringing a really good team. Missouri's bringing a really good team. Nebraska, I, you know, they put five in the Big Ten finals. Um, so they're they're going to have a lot of high-end firepower, but they don't really have a, a huge margin for error, so to speak. There's going to be a lot of teams in this dogfight for second, third, fourth. Um, Iowa, I think, based on the seed projections that I run, um, favored to take second not by a very wide margin either. Mm. So I think if, you know, a successful weekend, if you're the Hawkeyes is pretty firmly second place. And I think they're more than capable of doing that. You think, uh, you know, people will be cool with that. I mean, like, you know, how, I, mean, I know Tom Brands wants to win it all, obviously, but a second place year, you know, you lose all those guys from last year. I, I feel like that would be, that would be a solid year in my opinion. What do you think? I think so. I, I think if they're if they're firmly second, like if they can, yeah. you know, if they can get close to 100 points, you know, maybe surpass 100 points and, um, you know, very firmly second place over Cornell, Nebraska, whoever it is that takes third. Like, I would call that a good year. I would call that a good tournament. Um, you know, maybe they make things interesting early on Friday because you got Spencer and real coming out of the gates quick before yeah. Penn State's hammers start rolling through. Um, yeah, I think, you know, 
get somewhere close to 100 points. Okay. Um, finish firmly in second. I, I personally, I think that would be a success. I think a lot of rational Iowa fans would call that a success. Obviously, Tom wants to win everything, and then there's you know there's a lot of passionate Iowa fans out, out there that want to win everything too. But you, firmly second place, mm-hmm. I, that was kind of what I thought at the beginning of the year would be a good year for Iowa, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna maintain that expectation this week. And Spencer's got to win, right? So <laughs> yeah, Spencer doesn't win. They could win the team title, and if Spencer doesn't win, there's going to be a lot of people that'll be unhappy. Yeah. So that's there's a lot of people that love wrestling history, and yeah. the fact that he's in position to make it, I think that's that's going to carry a lot of weight this week. Yeah, that would be that would be an amazing story. And I think I was going for his first multiple champions. I think since 2010, is that right? I think that's the last time they won two in the same year. I have to check that. That's, but. That sounds right. Yeah. Because um, they've had, you know, they've had like St. John in 13, Ramos in 14, Clark won in what was that, 17. Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah, because they, they had three finalists the year they won it, but only Spencer won. So, yeah, if, if Real can do the I job. Think 10. And, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, 13 years. So, that you know, that's another thing to look for, Hawkeye fans. Hey, thank you, Cody Goodwin, for taking the time out of your busy schedule in Tulsa. And uh, enjoy the chaos down there, man. Have fun. I appreciate I appreciate you squeezing me in, man. Safe travels down to, uh, to basketball. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you, Cody Goodwin. Enjoy your time there. Make sure to follow Co- Cody's good- Cody Goodwin's coverage all weekend long. Nobody cranks out as many words in a short period of time as him. Make sure to follow Dargan Southern and Kennington Smith with the Iowa women on Friday. And I got you covered here in Birmingham with the Iowa men. It's the best time of the year. Enjoy. Come back and join us next week as we discuss everything that happened next Wednesday night on Hawk Central, 106.3 KXNO. Good night, everyone.